Today I've got the difficult task of dealing with a new covenant. The reason why I say it's difficult is because we, we mention it so often. And um, sometimes we think that we know what we're talking about. Or sometimes we forget the real core meaning of the new covenant. So, this morning I'd like to help myself and us to make a differentiation between the old and the new. And it's, it's very interesting that, that the world that we live in um, has got different definitions about old and new. Um, I've got a, a family member back home and in conversations about washing machines, um, she said, suggested that her 12-year-old washing machine was a new washing machine. Very good. But the, the funny thing about it is that we live in a society that everything needs to be upgraded every three, six months. And my conclusion is that with the things, the gadgets, everything that is out there, because it's new, it doesn't mean that it's better. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. <laughs> because it's new, it doesn't mean that it's better. Um, and today, we, I would like for us to draw our attention to something which is new, and it is better. It is new and it is better because, first of all, God has said it. We're going to look into uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 and then we're going to move on to Hebrews chapter 8. But before we do that, let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we ask that you use this ancient word to reveal something new of yourself today. So our lives are transformed for your glory. Use your word, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah comes as a very valuable, very big prophet. And he's talking to the people of Israel, 31. Um, and... We, we will read from verse 31. And it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, which Dave spoke about last Sunday. On the day when I looked them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. 
For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Today we're looking at something which is new. Today we are part of something which is new. Today we're all who will come to this table later on celebrating something which is new and it is better. We will not refer anymore to Jeremiah. So for you who have got your Bibles, let's turn them to Hebrews chapter 8 and we're going to start from verse 8 to 12. And basically, it's the same quotation. So, why, why do we need something new in God's economy? What was not working with the old? And what is something that is better with the new? I'd like for us to think a little bit of the continuation between the old and the new. We need to remember that if with Moses God spoke and he declared whatever he had to declare, it is the same God that Jeremiah is talking about. And it is the same God who is calling people into this new covenant. So the, the, there is a continuation between the old and the new, and it's the same sovereign God. The, the second continuation, or the second um, similarity, if I may say so, is that in both places, in the old covenant and in the new covenant, God is calling his people to be bound by his words. God was calling people in that mountain through Moses to follow him. And that's why he brought the law. In the new covenant, God is calling the same way people to be bound by his words. Do you see how many times he says, I declare says the Lord. It's powerful. In both places, there is a continuation of sacrifice. So, if in the Old Covenant we had the shedding of the blood of animals, there is the same continuation. But it has stopped Because this sacrifice is all sufficient. Because it is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And if there is the last continuation that I would like to talk about, is that both covenants, both old and new, they've had two main goals, if if we can sum them like this. Um, The first goal was for them or for the people to restore their fellowship with their gods, which was broken in Genesis 3. And the second purpose of the covenants, old and new, 
was that through this covenant, there is being built a group of people who is righteous. And somehow, it's fairly clear, very, very clearly reflecting God's character. So, in God's economy of covenants, there is a continuation. There is a continuation. But a new covenant has to come to place. And in, again, in God's, that's why I have to say that God is sovereign here. Because in his sovereign economy, this new covenant, the one that we celebrate through the bread and wine, the breaking of bread and a drink of wine, has got better promises. We're going to look at this covenant and then we're saying, well, what does this have to do with us covenanting together on the 26th of January? What's the, what's the meaning behind this? But let's look a little bit at the new covenant. And we're going to not look at the verses 8 and 9 because we've read that from uh, Jeremiah. But I want to start that God says, I will establish a new covenant. For this is, verse 10, chapter 8 of Hebrews, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord. Covenant is a very difficult term to define, and Dave said that last Sunday. And when we come to that term, um, I want for us not to think of contract terms. I want us to think of a father and a child relationship. I want us to think of a mother and a child relationship. If I was to go to my GP and I booked an appointment, I'm sure the GPs that are here, you get annoyed if people don't show up for their appointments. It's somehow an, a subtle contract that you call, you come, otherwise somebody else that needs to be seen misses their turn because you haven't showed up. So there is that subtle contract. But when it comes to covenant, is that if Amelia doesn't show up for a meal, oh, I don't say who's next. If Amelia doesn't show up for a meal, I make sure that she's well looked after. So, with a new covenant, there are better promises. The first thing is that, again, we see that sovereignty of God, that God says, I will get involved. God declares, because he wants to stay true to his promises, and he says, I will get involved in this new covenant. 
And with, with this God's involvement, there is a new approach. Instead of being external, which leads to Pharisees, to Sadducees, which leads to, oh, you haven't accomplished this, 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 and that. All of a sudden, in God's economy, this covenant becomes eternal. Internal, sorry. Eternal as well. In God's economy, this becomes personal. It's still corporate. It's not individual. But it's personal. The second thing is that in verse 10, we read that God says, I will put my laws into their minds... And I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their gods, and they shall be my people. So there is a new knowledge of God here. The echo of God still continues from the old to the new. It's the same God, same sovereign God. But somehow, there is a new level of knowing God. And again, that relates to the personal thing. So, there is novelty in the midst of continuity. And God also mentions that in the new covenant, there is going to be something new, which wasn't at all in the old. And that's the forgiveness of sins. In the old covenant, the blood of the animals covered the sins. In the new covenant, I love it. I will remember their sins no more. Revolutionary. So the whole system has changed. Sacrificial system has changed. The relational system has changed. And all of a sudden, people who are part of the new covenant, they find themselves forgiven. And if you come to the terms with forgiveness, that helps you more than to realize that you don't need to perform in order to keep the law. Because it's that inner, inner knowledge of God that He's there that sets you free. And if we read Second Corinthians chapter three, verses six, we read a new thing here about the new covenant. We, we're going to refer to that later on. Um, but in the new covenant, there is also a new activity. The new activity is that if the old covenant people (coughs) tried to obey the law on their own strength, in the new covenant, if you open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, in the new covenant, it is the Spirit of God, by my Spirit. This spirit that was prophesied in the Old Testament, 
Not by might, not by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. This precious Holy Spirit, which now is revolutionized the world because of Acts chapter 1 to verse, well, chapter 1 to chapter 7. So it's new activity. And this Spirit of God, it's called the Holy Spirit. In whose name we prayed earlier on. So, all these things that come with the new covenant. So, God's involvement, the new approach, the new knowledge, the forgiveness of sin, the new activity. And I think of all of this. And I say, whoa. What grace mind-blowing that God who is God Almighty, God who is God of the universe, God who is the creator, deals with people to the extent of second chances. So that's my first reaction. Grace, pure grace. I don't deserve it. But because he's a God of of covenants, he's going to do it. The second reaction is, well, what is my response to all of this? It's a new covenant. It's God who is getting involved again. It's he who is giving us the new approach that he can live within us. The spirit can live within us. It's the new blessings that we're going to inherit. It's the forgiveness of sins. What are we going to do about it? And what does this have to do with us as Ken's Road when we come to the 26th of January? When we commit that for the following year we're going to covenant with one another. I'd like to open the Bible, said 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. The term New Covenant is not very popular in the New Testament. There are only a few, ver- few places. But I don't think it's the terminology that stops it being uh, part of what happens in the Christian community, in the early church. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Well, let's start with verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Do you remember I spoke about grace? Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim as anything coming from us. This is Paul. This is the guy who preached the old covenant. This was the guy who embraced the old covenant. He was the guy that lived the old covenant. He was the guy that killed people because of the old covenant. And here he comes and he says, oh, wait a moment. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves. I have tried performance. I have tried 
legalism. But our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. So, the 26th, what does the, twen- what does the new co- covenant have to do with the 26th of January? Well, exactly what Paul encourages us here on chapter 6, on verse 6, saying that we are ministers of this new covenant. We are servants. We are partakers. We get our hands dirty with this new covenant. And not because we are sufficient. But our sufficiency is from God who has made us competent. A few applications. <clears throat> if you read the, read the, 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 the book of Hebrews, it's very clearly that the author has got a few concerns. You read in chapter 2 about drifting. You read in chapter 4 about neglecting. You read in chapter 5 about dull of hearing. And I just want to bring them and throw them to you. Are these valid concerns about the new covenant and our dealings with it? The other application is that in our minds there is always the friction about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. And somehow, the new covenant releases us from that friction. Because in the new covenant, it's not anymore about performance. The new covenant, it's about desire. It's about inner conviction that this is the God that lives within me and I want to do anything I can to please him. It's not about performance because I want to be looked right, because I want to be seen well in front of my colleagues, I want to be seen well in front of my uh, fellow Baptist ministers, I want to be seen well among other Christians. No. No. We've got it wrong. The new covenant has got to do with the inner desire that I want to please God because of this pure grace, first of all, but I want to please God because he has made me part of this covenant. So what does that have to do with the 26th of January? Well, exactly that. That we are all fellow servants of the same 
covenant. And because of that grace, because our sufficiency is in God, this is one of the ways that we respond to this new covenant. Because God has called us to be ministers of grace. We covenant with one another before God. We commit ourselves to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We commit ourselves to follow Jesus Christ, through whom God has reconciled the world by his death and resurrection, in whom we continue the work of reconciliation. Ministers of the New Covenant. We commit ourselves to proclaim Jesus as the liberator and Lord through his spirit to bring good news to the poor, to set free the oppressed, to be people of peace. New covenant. We commit ourselves to each other and this congregation promising to love our brothers and sisters in God's family and to pray for each other. Remember? It's not individual. It's personal, but it's corporate. New covenant. We commit to share our time, our decisions, our love, our talents, our possessions for everyone's good. We commit each other to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build us up. New covenant again. The old served its purpose. Paul said in Galatians that the law was a little bit like that instructor. But all of a sudden, with a new covenant, we've got the teacher, Jesus Christ, coming and revealing more of God's character. I said that the purpose of the covenants, well, both covenants were two. One of them was to restore the fellowship that was lost in Genesis 3, and the other one was to build up a group of people who is righteous, God's people, that in one way or another they cannot avoid reflecting God's character. So when we come to the communion and we celebrate the fact that we are part of this covenant, let us be reminded of this. Um, again, if the author's worry is about drifting, it's about neglect, it's about dull hearing, well, let's do something about that. If the call here today is that you become, you are, you celebrate the new covenant, well, let's celebrate God's grace then. Let's celebrate by remembering him that our sufficiency is not in my capability. My sufficiency is not on my job title. 
But my sufficiency in the new covenant is in God. And this is amazing. 